WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Are you, are you ready for this? Fast break for the yards, Clary to the crease, open door to make. Higgins and Sacco. Come on. All right, how is everybody this Friday? Working our way toward the weekend, NFL draft. There was some excitement uh, last night. Trades of plenty. The Giants didn't screw it up. Wins for all around. Right, Higgins, uh, Mario Sacco. Um, I found out uh, in very specific terms how the Orange Lacrosse season was going last night, Mario. Uh, we know it's not well. Um, but uh, if you want to punctuate it, uh, you can go host a show about Syracuse lacrosse and then plow into a deer on the way home. That is how the Orange lacrosse season is uh, going, Mario. The deer, uh, thankfully not me, uh, the deer, I guess, in this scenario is the metaphor for the Orange lacrosse season uh, dead on the side of the road somewhere in the general area. Not funny, but is funny. I thought my night was bad, Brian. Uh, you know, I, I suffered through. Uh, no offense to the performers of Cats, but just not my type of musical. So to say. <laughs> I lasted until intermission, and then my wife and I hit up the uh, a bar around town. So I, I gave it a go. half, but then I get home and send you a text about the draft, and uh, you know, you went and killed Bambi's brother. I, I did. Or sister. I don't know. I don't think it was a big deer, thankfully. Um, somewhere on Sweet Road. There's a lot of deers on uh, Sweet Road, so it's hard to it's hard to narrow that uh, thing down. Um, I, I did catch, and this is, uh, do not need 911 in a hurry if you're in that neck of the woods, because uh, I did catch the first 10 picks of the first round while, uh, while sitting on the side of the road. Which was about an hour uh, and a half. Night. So, uh, yeah, you were there for a yeah, while. I, I'd say it was... Uh, you know, nine one one. What's your emergency? Eh, that doesn't quite sound like an emergency. Why don't, why don't you hang on for a second? But you know, I was a good citizen. I, I, I called. The, you're supposed to call the cops and the the whole deal. So we took care of that. Uh, I did uh, just have to uh, tell the insurance adjuster to uh, hurry the crap up here about seven seconds ago since the show was about to start. Uh, but uh, that that's neither here nor there. Everyone is fine. Well, it depends how you refer to the deer. All the humans involved, <laughs> a.k.a. me, are, are, are fine. The car drives. The insurance adjuster really wants to know if the headlights were. I went home in uh, the dark last night and I where I was going. So... Uh, when the show ends, I'm going to go outside and turn the lights of the car on, Mario, and stare at that. But uh, the good news is, if if my mood needed a pickup last night, the Giants provided it. Simply, and this is a real stretch here over the last decade, the Giants provided a pickup by all they did was they didn't screw it up. Like, it, it laid out as well as it could have in the draft last night, Mario. You're sitting there at five. And you've got a pick of all three offensive linemen, which means if you take it somebody that's not a lineman, you'll still have two of the three linemen when your pick comes up two picks later. And they said, huh, this guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, who they spent the whole season talking about as the number one pick in the draft, is here at five. Five is a larger number than one. We should probably take this guy. And they did. And then they got, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the offensive lineman they had number one on their list. And Evan Neal, Ikea Kwanu went the pick before. But you end up with Thibodeau and Neal, 
And Giants fans today, Mario, I think are happy because they finally did. It took getting rid of Dave Gettleman <laughs> to finally do what he claimed he was going to do for four years, which was work on the freaking offensive and defensive line and do it in a way that made sense. And it, it took somebody else to do it, but thankfully uh, somebody actually finally put that plan into place. Yeah, and I thought both New York teams did a good job of addressing, obviously, plenty of needs on both those teams. But as you mentioned, they didn't stretch for anyone. The the picks that they picked were, were top 10 picks in any mock board that you looked at, you know, top seven picks. And then the Jets jumping back in and, you know, getting a guy that arguably might be, you know, the, the third best defensive lineman in the draft, a defensive end in the draft. Uh, you know, I thought they did an outstanding job. Um, There's a couple of teams that still left me scratching my head. As we mentioned, who's going to play quarterback for the Saints? Green Bay doesn't pick a mm -hmm. wide receiver. And I will never know what Bill Belichick does, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it seems to work uh, for him year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at what the Giants did, and, you know, here here in my head, I can see the scenario of how I would have been angry uh, last year if, if this had happened or if the same people were in charge of the draft this year. Like, in the Gettleman land, he would have been so locked on taking the offense alignment at five. He wouldn't have adjusted when all three of them were sitting there. He would have taken whomever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then you get around to seven and somehow you get stuck with somebody weird because somebody would have taken uh, Thibodeau before then. So, you know, the Giants were like, huh, we better take this guy first because we'll still be able to get one of the guys we like at the next pick. So, you know, it wasn't ex like that's not PhD level work by uh, Joe Shane and the guys. That's just, you know, hey, common sense. And then they did common sense. That's all I've wanted. That's all we Giants fans want is some common sense to apply. It happened last night, and then the, the Giants will have uh, the number four pick uh, coming up tonight early on in the second round, and uh, plenty of good players uh, still on the board. The quarterbacks, I, I doubt they do that. Nicobe Dean, who is the leader of the Georgia defense at linebacker, is still around. He had a pretty sweet hat going last night. I don't know what he's got going yeah, for. How about, how about those two. guys that, that were there? In, in, uh, like, brutal. Like Matt Coral. Like, what, what are you doing? What's your agent doing? Like, he is the least quarterback projected to go in the first round. And, you know, the, the poor guy had to sit through it all. And as you mentioned, Dean, you know, I, I he's a first round talent in my book. Uh, yeah, he's got to be surprised. Uh, yeah. Other Georgia players obviously hopping off the board, but not him. Uh, yeah, when you are. And, you know, projections, college to pro, I get it, the whole thing. Like, Dean or Jordan Davis, uh, take your pick, was the leader, the best player on the Georgia defense this year. It was an all-timer college defense. And Dean watched literally half of the starting defense that he was on get drafted over him. He's like, wait a minute now. Yeah. Now, I love all you guys. You're my friends. I was better than all of you this year. Not some of you. All of you. I was the best player in our group. Like, I can play football. How do we know that? We played football all season, and I was good at it. So if the Giants get him four picks into the second round, I'll continue to be happy. And then you mentioned it, the quarterbacks. Matt Corral going in the first round, that was in no way guaranteed. I'm stunned. No, Malik Willis is still out there. I, you just assume, at minimum, there's going to be a couple first-round quarterbacks. Uh gone it's wild he's still there like and we'll get to your Steelers here you could debate either side of the coin we did it yesterday yeah. if you wanted Pickett if you wanted Willis and there's solid arguments 
to both sides, Mario, but I just assumed that somebody would pick the other guy yeah. at some point last night, and for whatever reason, not the case with Willis. I thought someone would jump back in and, and pick him, and it just never happened. And does he go, you know, within the first? You have Seattle with a couple of picks there early on in the second round. I think, what, 40th and 41st pick uh, in the second round, and, and obviously they need a quarterback uh, with Russell Wilson now. Uh, being in Denver, so you know, is that a team that goes and picks them? Once again, I circle back to the Giants. You know, the, the Giants now have their pick besides Kenny Pickett, and standing there mm-hmm. with that, excuse me, with that pick, do you go and take him, or or do you go, you know, more of a, a defensive back, which which I think the Giants will go go for in their uh, pick here early in the second round. Yeah, and we'll see. There was a, a lot of DBs off the board and people trading up, and uh, that we'll get into the Bills. They were involved in that and uh, getting their, their last first round graded guy in Kyir Elam last night and a, a slight trade up to make that happen. So it, the top of this round is going to be interesting. Uh, people making moves for quarterbacks or not, or, or who knows? And uh, the Giants sitting at there at four, the Jets. Go figure. The Jets may have had the best uh, first round of anybody. What have we ever said that? <laughs> getting Sauce Gardner. Garrett Wilson, and then trading back in to get a guy that in a different world could have gone seventh to the Giants. Yeah. And Jermaine Johnson ends up going 26th uh, to the Jets. So a significant value there. So, I mean, this is this makes no sense. The Giants and Jets, the two losing his teams for the last half decade. Now you get a lot of picks out of that. But five for five in smart picks. When is the last time we've said that about the two teams that inhabit MetLife Stadium? You haven't because, you know, when it came time to picking someone and we've mentioned and you mentioned numerous times the Giants picks uh, of who they've screwed up on over these last six years. And and this draft, it looks like obviously you're not going to know anything until these guys play, you know, come August, come September, October. How many of these guys, you know, you're going to plug right into that starting lineup. I mean, for the for the Giants, you're definitely plugging those both those guys into your starting lineup, I, I would think. Um, same mm-hmm. same thing for the Jets. Um, but, yeah, finally they didn't mess things up. And, you know, there was plenty of teams that just, I mean, I'm looking at the Saints, and they draft a wide receiver. Who's going to throw them the football? Like, I understand this is a very heavy <laughs> wide receiver class, but you got to have someone to toss them the ball. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand it. And they, you know, at 19, you think, okay, maybe they're going to take a quarterback again right before Pittsburgh takes Kenny Pickett and they draft an offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. So, like, I mean, I'll never understand it. I'm not a GM. I'm not a GM for a reason. But I do believe I did say that Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, was the best NFL-ready quarterback. And uh, I guess my Steelers might have listened to me because they went and took it. Well, it's not. At least you agree with what they did, so it, you can feel good about it. Yeah. it. we'll see if it works out. We'll see if it works uh, out. Long you know, <laughs> you know yeah. give, give me two years, and if I'm saying the same thing, I guess you could play this back and call me a fool. It's not the first time uh, that's happened. <laughs> now, the let the training camp battle between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky like, uh, I, begin. Like I with heard the Dan Orlovsky today talking about not to get on a, a Steelers rant real quick, and obviously we have Kevin Moore coming on to talk about the Giants here a little bit later on. But, you know, Orlovsky saying that, you know, Trubisky and Kenny Pickett are, are the same type of player and how Pittsburgh is, you know, no less or no better today than they were, you know, before. And he's talking about the accuracy <laughs> issues. And I'm thinking, like, Lamar Jackson's not an accurate quarterback. Lamar Jackson's an unbelievable quarterback. But, like, don't get off on me on accuracy and things. Like, give the guy a little bit of time to see if he can – 
you know, become an NFL quarterback. As we go back, I go back to Josh Allen. Like he was fifty percent come his senior year of college. So, you know, I don't know. Kenny Pickett played in the that, ACC. And, uh, so like, yeah, and, and sample size. Trubisky had one. He started for one year yeah. at North Carolina, and he was you know all right. <laughs> Nobody ever was. I don't remember he, anybody being like, "Wow, he, Miss Mitch Trubisky." Exactly. Pickett's a four year starter. He, like, he's he wasn't played some football. Third in the Heisman. You know, for apparent reason, Kenny. Anyhow, I, no. we could go on and on with them, but yeah. But the, yeah, the Steelers get their guy, and he just needs the access codes now to the other side of the building. So Pickett knows his way uh, about town uh, for sure. There, we'll just continue playing at Hines Field. All right, as Mario mentioned, we got Kevin Marr, formerly of CBS Five, here in the queues, currently of News Twelve Long Island, which means he covers the Giants, the Jets. And some guy named Joey Spolina. We'll talk about all that with Kev when we come back. It's QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco. All right, rolling along here. He gets it, Sacco. Brad Higgins, Mario Sacco on a Friday. We're talking draft, lacrosse this weekend. The women play tonight, ACC quarterfinals in South Bend. That is against uh, Virginia at uh, 7.30. And we got uh, men's lacrosse uh, wrapping up the season against Notre Dame on Sunday. So we can hit a little uh, the future of Syracuse lacks it a little bit with our next guest, uh, Kevin Marr. But uh, Kev, welcome in. Uh, everyone knows Kevin from his days in uh, Syracuse on the TV. He's now down in Long Island, where the Giants and the Jets, Kev, um, they both didn't screw it up last night. So we're celebrating uh, today. This is the first time in years. It's a little unusual. Like, you know, normally the, the airwaves and the headlines would be like, what? Why did we pick this guy? We don't need this guy. It's like we actually have front offices that actually might know what they're doing, which is a, a breath of fresh air uh, for two of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't even want to ask about the draft, Kevin. I just want to know, 13 years ago, when I sat in your class, did you think I'd be here today? <laughs> uh, Mario destined for greatness, let's put it that way. Sitting next, I didn't realize it would be so great sitting next to Brian Higgins back then, but I, I didn't know. But it's always good to talk to you guys. You too. Let's look at the draft now and, and focus on the Giants real quick and, and their top pick. Um, you, you know, we mentioned that this is a draft that, you know, a couple of years ago, Maybe he wouldn't have been picked just the way that, you know, the Giants' recent history. Uh, what do you think of their top two picks and what they're getting at that value? At this point, right, I think the Giants have good weapons. I'm not going to say Daniel Jones is your quarterback of the future, but if you look around, I think they have the weapons they need. And really what they needed was to build it up front on both lines, and I think they did a great job. I think, look, with that pick, the kid from Oregon was the best player available. You had to take him at that point. And one thing they need to do, if you're going to roll with Daniel Jones, we still don't know what Jones is just yet. Is he the turnover-prone machine, or is there something else there that's not being available based on lack of protection? The Giants' offensive line has been a little bit of a patchwork. You went Andrew Thomas. You know, he's been – 
pretty good. He's actually maybe even been a little bit better than Makai Becton because Becton for the Jets has been injured. So mm-hmm. you have one building block there. You add Neal on the other end. I think that's great. I think if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm happy. Uh, so I think the Giants did exactly what they had to do with those two picks. I'm glad they didn't trade one of them either. They didn't need that. The Jets, I think, if you're going to get Debo, that's fine. I'm okay with that. You could trade one of those if you had the chance, but you didn't. I'm glad the Giants stuck with the two picks. You know, Kev, you watch the way it unfolds last night, and you never quite know how it's going to go. I didn't really think all of the tackles would still be there at five for the Giants to browse from. And at least in my head, this is the difference between the two regimes. Like Dave Gettleman would... I mean, he'd tell you months in advance what he's going to do. Look at the the Saquon pick. He would have picked a tackle at five last night no matter what if that was uh, the plan, and they might have missed out on a guy like Thibodeau. Now, I I don't think it took rocket science for Joe Shane to to, do what he did, but that's a huge breath of fresh air. Like That's a minor little adjustment of the way the draft went last night, Kev, but the Giants did it after four years of not doing things like that. And I think once you saw that first pick that made some people go, Oh, interesting. Okay, so now we're setting something up here for the first six picks. Let's see what happens if this all plays out. And I think we all did GM. Well, look, if that's going to change one thing, then something's going to drop to the Giants. Like you just said, Brian, just don't screw it up. Just do the right thing and get that kid, and I'm glad they did. I I think that's a definite sign that this front office, it's a great draft for them. It's a great welcome to New York for them. It's a great first impression for those guys. All right, Kevin, you're sitting here with with another high pick in the second round, and we mentioned the quarterback situation with Daniel Jones. You got guys like Malik Willis still out there. Do you reach and take a quarterback in the second round? I'm not impressed with any of the quarterbacks, to be honest with you, in this draft. I just don't think that's the the lore of this draft. Even in the second round, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. Uh, now, I'm, look, I'm not too familiar with what would be available next year, so I'll trust the general managers who know that better than I do. But I didn't see any one of these kids, even Pickett last night. I mean, I understand Pittsburgh's in a much different situation than even the Giants. You had to go get a quarterback. I, if I'm the Giants, roll the dice with Daniel Jones. If you got to get somebody to fill in for one year and then go again you know you do that uh and but again you're looking at a regime running this team they've got no loyalty to daniel jones right this is a gettleman guy now these aren't gettleman's guys anymore so i don't know but me personally i hope they don't go after the quarterback what would you make of uh, Kev yesterday? I guess it's not really a surprise, but uh, it is exceedingly rare to see a top 10 NFL pick not get his fifth-year option picked up, and that's what happened with, with Daniel Jones yesterday. So that's a, that would have been 22-ish million on the books way, for way 23. Way too much to give him. Way too much. Way too yeah. much to give him. You can't do it. It, it doesn't set up, I guess. I mean, if there is a world that he comes out and actually is good this year, I mean, I don't see it, but, it, you know, stranger things have happened. But, it, it, like, that doesn't preclude them, right, from re-signing him uh, should it come to that. No, you can franchise tag him. Uh, that's what's going to happen more than likely, and then you go from there. But you just don't know what this guy is. Look, Daniel Jones can have an absolutely wonderful NFL career. He could go for 12, 13 more years. Now, I'm not going to say he's a starter, but we've seen plenty of guys last in this league that have been great backup quarterbacks, right? Uh, Gabbert, McNown, all those guys. Is that his trajectory? Maybe. Now, that's not a bad thing, but I personally don't think he is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants for the long term. I just don't 
see it. And there's been plenty of, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, this is one year. You know, Wilson, Zach Wilson's only one year. No, you've got a track record of Daniel Jones right now, and they've done their best to help him. I think a healthy Saquon would absolutely help, uh, but you don't even know what Saquon's going to be. He's got some major injuries now. So I, I agree with the Giants. You couldn't do that fifth-year option. You, you, you have an option at the end of next year if you want to do that. Kevin, when you look at the Jets and when you look at the Giants, what team do you feel can turn it around the quickest? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think it's going to be the Jets. I think what they did, when you look back on the trade with Seattle, I think that's going to be a franchise-changing trade, uh, especially getting that second pick this year. I just think Robert Sala is also probably going to be a better head coach than Dable. I think we got two good ones. I think they're both going to be young. And I think these are guys who are, this is not going to be their only opportunity to be an NFL head coach. I don't think Joe Judge will, it's going to be a long time before he gets another opportunity. (laughs) But I think these guys are going to be long-term NFL head coaches, that this is going to be the first of, look, many stops. That's the way the business is. Um, I just think the Jets have a better vision of what they want to do right now, only because you've had Joe Douglas also be there longer than Dable and Shane. Um, and I think Zach Wilson is going to be really good. I think he's going to be really good. They need more weapons. He's got to get a little bit better on the offensive line. Um, even their running back situation could use an improvement. Maybe that's something they look for in round number two and three here. I think the Jets long-term are going to be better. Uh, and you know, I was going to ask you about Wilson. Uh, you, you answered the question there because that, uh, that's part of it. Like, if you believe in Wilson and people don't believe in Jones, uh, that it, that would be one of the reasons that you lean uh, Jets on that answer. And it could change with whoever the uh, the next uh, Giants uh, quarterback is. But uh, what, what do you make of the Jets' move last night? I, I'd say honestly, in many ways, uh, the move of the first round was them coming back into the back end and get Jermaine Johnson. Like we saw him against Syracuse, this guy can go. At Florida State, he can flat out get to the quarterback. Uh, what, what did you make of them getting what was, in the eyes of a lot of people, I'd say a top, I don't know, 15, top 10 talent, getting him at 26? I think it's great he was there. And from what I read, the Jets told him, look, man, if you're there, we're going to come get you anyway. we got to come get you. I like that they were coaches and, and general managers and front office of their word to go do that. And you got, look, three first-round picks. Name me one team out there that would be like, you know, we really don't want three first-round picks. I think we're, we'll be okay. You know, so I think it's great, and every position, for the most part, with it, on the Jets, with the exception of starting quarterback, is open for business, man. You know, they, they just need a lot of help, especially in a division where it looks like Buffalo's going to be good for a long time. As long as Belichick is there, there's going to be something to be said for New England being good for a long time. I don't know about the Dolphins. But you've got to be able to think long-term competition. Can we win that division first? Don't even worry about the Super Bowl. You've got to be able to win that division first. The Jets need talent to do that. You got three picks. Boom. Uh, I think you're 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 just super happy today if you're a Jet fan. Kevin, let's jump back to the Giants real quick. And you touched on Saquon, and if he's healthy, you know, obviously that changes things for this Giants team. But you know, you, you got a draft, and you got running backs out there that that might help the Giants team. Do you see that? in the second or third rounds that they might go and pick a running back? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I don't think you'd probably do it in the second round, but I think that would help, only because the book is still open on Saquon. He's just been so 
injured. Uh, and it's not really a running back league anymore, right, guys? So, you know, I don't want to see the Giants all of a sudden go, hey, we're going to milk this guy for all he's worth because that's not a good NFL game plan in today's day and age now. Now, he's a difference maker? Absolutely. Is he still one of the top 25 running backs in the NFL? Absolutely. Uh, the problem is I don't think he's going to project – in the future, what the Giants projected him to be when they drafted him, only because of the knee injuries, the ankle injuries. But I did like what he had to say a couple of weeks ago when he basically stood up at the podium and said, I'm tired of all the BS. I'm tired of all the haters. I've heard everything you've all said, and I'm pissed. Now I'll take that, Saquon, any day. I like that. I like the sound of that. Unfortunately, I think he may have been milked for all he's worth already, uh, unfortunately, and he's only four years into the league. He's just been so, uh, so injured the, the last few years. Uh, Ke- Kevin Mars, our guest, and Kevin, uh, le- let's turn the page uh, to lacrosse here. We know the orange lacrosse season is coming to an end, unfortunately, on Sunday, earliest uh, that it has come to an end in a long, long time. But uh, you get to see the guy that is uh, hopefully the next uh, guy here, the guy that's going to be wearing 22. What What can you tell us about what, Syracuse is getting next year in Joey Spolina. You're getting exactly what you need. You're getting a kid who's a playmaker, a kid who is well-connected in lacrosse circles because his family is so well-connected in lacrosse circles between travel, lacrosse, high-end lacrosse. This is a kid that's played in the youth World Series of Youth Lacrosse, I think when he was in sixth or seventh grade, uh, Joey and his brothers. You're getting exactly what you need to help turn that around. I think we can all say that the Syracuse lacrosse needs a little culture change, right? And I think Coach Gate is the guy to do that, but he's got to get his guys in there to do it. And this is going to be the building block of what you need. You watch Joey play, and you, I mean, he is heads and tails above everybody. There's a reason why his team was on national TV last week playing Garden City, which, again, is you look at a Garden City roster down here, they produce oodles and oodles of division one talent so it was great to see that mm-hmm. and you watched joey in that game and you saw at the highest level of high school he's better than everybody so to me you got a playmaker and you get a guy who knows i'm gonna get double and triple teamed that's fine i'll get six assists and i don't care and we'll still win the game so i think it's gonna be great you know they they had the gates right. I'm a little too uh, I'm a little too uh, young for the gates. I was there, Powell's all of them. Mikey Powell this day is still my favorite all-time lacrosse player. Now I think you're going to see the Spelinas come in and really make a difference. And these are kids that can bring other people in, right? That in today's day and age, guys, it's you know recruiting has changed for all sorts of reasons, and the players now can control a lot. And I think you're going to see the Spelinas do that. Kevin, when I say Syracuse lacrosse to a kid from Long Island. You know, does it still resonate for for what Syracuse lacrosse is? I think so. I think it's changed just because there's just so much parity throughout college lacrosse now, and you can go somewhere and be, you know, really good. Um, And also I think high school lacrosse has changed. There's just so many people that play it now in the nation. So the the talent level has changed across the board, and you can see it. You know, there's no more, I'm just going to recruit Long Island and and Maryland, and I'm going to be really good. Now you can find kids in Florida and Texas and California. Um, So I think that changed. It still resonates, yes, because it's a New York team 
Absolutely. Uh, and I think for the parents, it still resonates. If you're a lacrosse guy and you're raising a lacrosse kid, you know, you know Syracuse lacrosse. Absolutely. But you also now know Duke lacrosse, UNC lacrosse, Boston University lacrosse. Look, Army's really good, guys. Army's got a bunch of Long Island talent that could easily play in Syracuse. But the kids went to Army. Uh, so I think it still resonates. It's just the game has changed. Yeah, that, that's the case. And hey, Duke Duke has built their dynasty here really over the last fifteen years on on Long Island. Uh, I mean, after uh, Coach Donowski was at Hofstra for all those years, he, he mined the island up and down. Uh, Kevin, lastly, you know, just anecdotally on this, you know, we had the game at Stony Brook at the beginning of March, and uh, forecast was kind of grim, but it turned out to be a beautiful day. But uh, yeah, the tailgating, the parking, like like the vibe was there. Uh, Spelina's Team 91, they had their all this stuff up. Their colors are orange and blue. Yep. It, it really felt like at least that day, uh, Kev, that, that Syracuse and Long Island kind of had uh, re- returned to being uh, the right place to be together. Oh, I think so, definitely. And look, you're so connected to it. There's just such an alumni base down there as well, from the city all the way out to the island. And it's just such a hotbed of lacrosse talent. So look, if you got a chance to get one of the nation's premier teams, which Syracuse despite the ranking, they're still a premier program, right, guys? Let's be honest. It's still got the titles. It's still got the history. It's still got the tradition, all that stuff. I mean, a uh, wonderful soundbite from Coach Simmons. I saw Steve uh, Infani put up about Richie Moran, and that went across the nation. Mm-hmm. He's such a symbol of it. You know, it still is going to attract people. And, Brian, that's why you saw that crowd as well. So I think it's great. Uh, it's, that's never going to change whatsoever. And you think if that's what you got when your season was eh, at that point, when they get really good and now you've got Long Island guys and, and Spillane and one of his Stony Brook teammates and there was a kid from Garden City going up there, it's only going to attract more. You know, so that's that's the other thing you have to remember. Success breeds success. If you can pull kids from someplace and make them successful, you're going to pull them from that same place. Well, Kevin, I'll be bothering you in a week uh, for those Lemoyne Adelphi highlights when they're playing in the Annie Ten Hey, no joke, no joke. And let's and let's, can we give a shout out to Pat McCabe? Right, he's yeah, got the exactly. uh, Adelphi ladies playing really, really well. They 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 kind of slumped a little bit, but uh, they're right back at it. Yeah, there's a lot of good college lacrosse. Absolutely. Thanks, Kev. Uh, yeah. It- it's at, it's at every level except the one we'll be watching on the Dome on uh, Sunday, unfortunately. Basically, everybody else is still going to be in the mix. All right, Kev, uh, good to catch up, and uh, we'll be in touch down the line. All right, fellas, enjoy your day. Kevin Barr, formerly of uh, Channel 5 here in the Cuse, currently News 12 Long Island, and he has uh, covered Joey Spilina a lot here over the last uh, few years, so he knows of what he speaks on that. All right, we'll hit a break. Uh, more when we come back. How about a little look at uh, what's going on with Isaiah Wong down at Miami? And NIL has gone wild in uh, basically the least, or the most expected way possible, but it, it is happening, and it is very public down in Miami right now. Q Sports Talk Talk, ESPN Radio. We're back after this with Higgins and Psycho. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco. Right, rolling along here on a Friday. Higgins and Sacco. I am going into the transfer portal, Mario. I demand more NIL money. That's what Isaiah Wong is threatening. Miami's star guard. Had a great season. Miami. Elite eight. Miami's got a billion, with a B, billionaire that is backing their main NIL uh, collective. And I think Isaiah Wong, is, uh, who's making four hundred grand at a car a year, pretty good job if you can get it, 
Uh, he's about to find out exactly how this whole NIL thing works. And what's so interesting is we're all about to find out because it's been very hectic and wild, but this is playing out as publicly as it can be. And it's almost, this is almost like a class in NIL. Like by the end of this, if it all keeps playing out this publicly with Wong saying, Hey, I got 400 grand. I want more. And Miami's billionaire saying, I'm not giving you more leave. If you feel like it, I I think we're all going to maybe actually find out publicly kind of what is actually happening, which for the rest of us, that it's not our money. It's kind of useful, I guess, to learn how this is all going on as publicly as it's going at Miami right now. Yeah, Isaiah Wong's a great player, but as you mentioned, the price tag that he has is making right now already at Miami. Will he be able to find that somewhere else? It's like a free agency deal, so to say, of you know shopping around with these other schools. Can you give me five hundred thousand? Can you give me six hundred thousand? And you said you're you're seeing it. You know, publicly play out because what is it? Ruiz, the guy, the billionaire for Miami, yeah. that you know he basically put like out. He a tweet, is Miami's collective. Yeah, <laughs> a, a tweet last night saying, you know, no, we've given you enough money. Like we're not giving you any more. Like <laughs> that's that's not coming from Miami. That's coming from the guy writing the check to you permanently. Right. So like you know, obviously Miami can maybe find other ways. I don't know to to give him money, but I mean. It's a debacle, as you mentioned. This isn't how NIL was originally designed. And more power to kids to go and get as much money as you can. Um, But, you know, when you're demanding more money because you you think you deserve it, well, let's find out. Go to Texas Tech or Oklahoma or see if someone will pay that money to you. Exactly. Like now that the numbers have been said out loud, it was Ruiz that actually said it out loud. And he's the billionaire yes. that, that uh, I think he's up to between basketball and football recently. He's shelled out something like five million over the course of the next year in uh, in money to current and future Miami players. I would say Miami so, to put a muzzle on him, but he's the one writing out the checks. So like, like, yeah. So like the world now knows what these guys are getting. So I guess, you know, if, if Wong goes into the transfer portal, well, you know what math you're up to, right? Like, I, and and the other thing is this weekend's going to be interesting because the deadline for winter sport athletes, aka basketball, to be eligible to play without sitting out next year is you you don't need to have a new school, but you must be in the portal by May first. May first is Sunday, so uh, I wonder who else is going to suddenly have some demands. Uh, tomorrow, uh, like people, people in a giant standoff in the streets over NIL money. Uh, it could be a really randomly, weirdly interesting day in college basketball tomorrow that never, ever, ever, ever could have happened before. Uh, what I want to, I mean, you're never going to see the breakdown, but you know, all these guys coming back to North Carolina, you know, what, what are they getting? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Not nothing. You know, we, we see it here. Hunter Dickinson at, at Michigan. Exactly. We see it here at, at Syracuse, you know, Buddy and, and Cole and those guys, you know, not to the extent that we're seeing him in Isaiah Wong, but, you know, they're capitalizing on it and, and good for them. But, you know, when, when a coach can sit in there with a top 15 kid, top 25 kid and say, hey, we can give you $500,000, like that's only a handful of schools that are able to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, I, I just love that Miami is putting its dirt in the street because now, now we're all going to get to like, you want to know what's going on? Like, this is what's going on now at Miami. It's slightly different in that one guy has supplied like a significant majority of the money 
if you look at, say, what SEC football schools are doing, they got lots of money coming from everywhere. So it's not like one guy is holding the purse strings to the whole thing. But it is a wildly interesting scenario at, at Miami uh, right now. And it, it's just, yeah, there it is. And uh, we'll see what happens with it. But it, it's it's so interesting. We're, we're not even a year yeah. into it. Like, we're not, we're so, barely nine months into this thing, Mario. It's changed like seven times already. Well, that's, it, it's changed so far away from what it was supposed to be. It's hard to keep track of what's going on. Well, the fact that it has gone to what it has today, how do you reel it back in, Brian? You, you know, it, it's the you know, wild, wild west, and, and now you're going to try and reel it back in and, and make laws again, you know, trying to hamper it. I, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't know. You're more heading toward these kids being employees at a at a university than you are anything else. And um, universities really, they, universities cannot have that no. be a term yeah. <laughs> because of you know tax exempt status and the whole thing. So like that is the main thing universities are are worried about uh, right now. And, and it's I mean it's true regardless of where the money they are employees of somebody at least tied to the university and whether they and that's the other thing i don't know how many of the you know high school aged 19 year old student athletes signing the contracts realize that's what they are signing a contract that's not free money no that is you 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 have obligations tied uh to that money like okay Here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, you, now you need to be at uh, Buddy's car dealership on Saturday from three to five because there's an autograph session. And no, you already got paid for it. This is the work you're doing. There is not a sep- a separate payment coming for this. This is the work that goes with the contract you signed. I'd be interested to hear from a, a top recruit, even even Buddy, uh, maybe a little bit of, of how this year kind of went for him. You know, trying mm-hmm. to do all these things and, and and how it worked out as far as you know, who's there to 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 you know manage the money situation and 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 set things up and, and was it a pain at times uh, to to go through all this? Obviously, it's not going to be a pain when someone's writing out a check for you for four hundred thousand dollars. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I do whatever you want, but you know, is it a hassle at, at times on these kids? Right. I mean, it is, it, it's time out of your day. Like if you're legit going and making a commercial or you got to go make an appearance or something, it's time out of your day. You still got class. You still got practice. You still got the whole thing. And it's not like you're a professional athlete and you're 28 years old and you've been dealing with it for a long time. And you have seven agents and their assistants that set it all up for you. And you know exactly how to kind of handle your thing. These kids are getting assaulted with it from every which way. More or more. And man, it's going to be, it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how this continues to develop because it's not unchanging yet. More and more, I mean, you're going to have to have at these universities, even not only just at the university, maybe each program is going to have to have someone set aside to try and handle all mm-hmm. this. You, you know, you know, oh, Babers, when we had him on last week, he, he said, you know, I, I want to focus on the football aspect of things, and there's so much more surrounding it these days, and that's just another thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild stuff, and it's only been out there for less than a year. Who knows where it's going to go? Because it's our, it's our, it's going so fast. I feel like seven years of it have happened in the last uh, nine months. It's going that fast. All right, let's uh, hit a break. We want to have plenty of time for the hottest man in sports betting to give us his picks when we come back. The Sacco six-pack was a perfect six for six last Friday. We'll find out what Mario has for us for the weekend 
when we come back after this to wrap up our Friday afternoon on Higgins and Sacco on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco. All right, back for the final few minutes today. I do promise by the, by the fall, Mario, we're gonna have to work out like an official open and fancy music and stuff for the the Sacco Six Pack. That's a project for another day. Um, your project right now, though, is to continue making our good listeners that sweet, sweet money that you delivered last week with a flawless six for six. So no, no pressure today, Mario. What uh, what do you got for the upcoming weekend? Nine and three on the season. With a Charles mm-hmm. Schwartz will pick in there as well to win you some money at the Masters. Can't but forget the Charles. We're going to start tonight in the NBA. Give me the T-Wolves on the money line. Minus 105. If they're up, though, going into the fourth quarter by double digits, you might want to go the other way because they tend to <laughs> blow those leads. Sunday in the NBA, give me the Bucks plus five at Boston. I understand, uh, you know, Middleton obviously is not playing, but give me Giannis in the Bucks plus five. Then we're going to go some action tonight in the NHL. The Penguins, a weird situation. Uh, they win, they face the Rangers, who they can't beat. Or if they lose, they face Florida. I I still think they're going to win, and uh, they play Columbus. Columbus coming off a of back-to-back. Give me the puck line on that. Penn's one and a half on the puck line. Minus one and a half. Then we're going to go a little baseball action. I got the Mets on the money line. I think they bounce back. That's minus 125. I'm going to go the over in the run total at plus 105 in the St. Louis-Arizona Diamondbacks game. It's Bumgarner against Wainwright. Bumgarner's due to give up a bunch of runs. The over on that one is 7.5. And And then give me the uh, run line on the Atlanta Braves tonight with Ian Anderson, the Shen product, on the mound. Minus 1.5 on the run line. Get you plus 125. So Mets over of the St. Louis Diamondbacks run line and the run line of the Atlanta game uh, on the Braves. Uh, Pens in the NHL, Bucks and T-Wolves. I'm mostly amazed that here in 2022 that a Bumgartner Wainwright starting matchup is still a thing that exists. Yeah, when I looked at I, that, I, I was I was, <laughs> they're, they're both still pitching? Uh, yeah. Seven and a half though is the <laughs> over uh, on the run line there. So the most uh, uh, that I feel good about I feel good about my pens tonight for some odd reason. The T-Wolves, like I said, I, I, I thought that was going seven one way or the other. A lot of hype on ja, uh, Morant, so we'll see. All right, so there's the Sako six-pack that, again, was a perfect six-for-six six last week. I've got good vibes about the Orange women's lacrosse team yes, uh, tonight. They've got Virginia at 7.30, so looking forward to them getting through to the ACC semifinals. I'll be in the Dome on Sunday with Kyle over on TK for the final men's lacks game of the season at noon. We'll be on the air there with Orange pregame. One more quick thing for you, Brian. Brian, Mm -hmm. go for a franchise record right here on 97.7. Their 12th straight win at home they go for tonight, so best of luck to them. yeah, that'll be at uh, 7 o'clock uh, tonight with the crunch and into the playoffs officially clinched. So they will be uh, looking to keep that rolling through tonight and tomorrow, final two regular season games, and then get to the playoffs and hosting that first-round series. 
or at least having home ice advantage in that first-round season coming up. All right, that's going to do it for here. Do enjoy your weekend, everybody. Mario and I will be back at it on Monday. On the Block is coming up right next to uh, wrap up the week after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.